Hey guys, welcome back to the Pit Perspective. As you all know, my name is Bree. I'm gonna pass it off to my team members. I'm on. And I'm Abby. Um, this week I talked to the director of ECU Student Health Services, Lanika Wright, and we kind of talked about her experience as a black woman in healthcare. If you would just kind of give some background, talk about who you are and what you're doing here at ECU. Okay. Yeah, so um, I'm Lenika Wright. Um, I'm a women's health nurse practitioner, um, and I have been a nurse practitioner for 18 years, which is crazy to believe um, that I've been doing that this long. And my first job, well, I graduated 18 years ago. I um, have been doing this job for 17 and a half years. This was my first job out of my program. So first job out of school. And I love college health. And I was super excited to get a job in college health. So in July, it'll be 18 years that I've been here. Um, And so I provide specific women's health services uh, to any uh, female patient that I see, but then also regular primary care stuff like sprained ankles, colds, pneumonia, you know, appendicitis, all the kind of normal stuff in addition to gynecologic care. Um, I also am a sexual assault nurse examiner, so um, do that as well. And I am the director of student health, and I've been the director for five years. Um, And, you know, prior to that time, I was a full-time staff provider. And so um, that is me, what I do, and I think that probably is enough. I don't know what else you want to know about me. So you mentioned that you are the director of ECU Student Health Services as well as a women's health nurse practitioner. So what or who kind of inspired you to get into healthcare? Yeah, so I would say who inspired me. My brother had a girlfriend slash ex-fiance that was a nurse when I was in middle school. And, you know, I loved her. I thought she was amazing. I wanted to be everything just like her. And so that's why I initially became interested in nursing, Um, specifically women's health. It's an odd kind of story. When I did, um, I did a study abroad for half a summer in uh, Zimbabwe when I was an undergrad and got to work with some midwives and that was the coolest thing ever and I wanted to be a midwife and where I lived at that time in Virginia um, in the mountains of Virginia there were no midwives working and so I assumed that when I finished school I was going to go back there and so I decided to do women's health nurse practitioner um, because there were women's health nurse practitioners there and um, working with or talking with, spending time with one of the OBGYNs there, you know, had kind of a sure job coming back and all that. Um, then I got married and moved to a place where there's lots of midwives. <laughs> <laughs> Something important, I think, to note very quick is just as her like background being a black woman in like rural Virginia because the mountains is a very rural and um, to my knowledge very uh, what's the word low my numbers of minorities in the mountains if that makes sense I could have phrased that way better but I think it's just important to note that considering I mean where you grow up that kind of defines about a lot of like who you are and I know on kind of relates to that experience as well growing up in like a small 
primarily like white area too and I don't know I feel like that she talked about in her episode how that defined her um, childhood experience a lot growing up and my family's from the Appalachian Mountains and I know that's very very white area up there and very rural and very uneducated and very just like behind the times as she mentioned no midwives in the episode so um just important to know I think about her background I also thought that it was um interesting that she mentioned that her initial inspiration for kind of going into healthcare was someone she was directly related to and that was kind of similar to what Monica Daniels was telling us how like her aunt was a congresswoman in Way County mm-hmm. and that was her inspiration and instead of like it being some like I don't know like big famous person it was directly in their family and I just thought that was interesting as well so um, now I would ask for you to kind of talk about your experience with race relations growing up as well as kind of in your field of healthcare. Yeah. So I would say growing up, uh, as I told you, you know, I, I um, am from the mountains of Virginia. So um, I think in our town, there's like six or 7,000 people. That's not our town. Our county, there are six or 7,000 people. Uh, our town is the biggest town in our county. So there may be like 4,000 people. It is a primary, primarily Caucasian area, um, and so there aren't a lot of African Americans. And uh, what we say is, if you see one, you should know them. If you don't know them, that means they're new, and you need to learn them. Um, so we all know each other, and, and that's true for the town in general. Most people know everyone, but definitely, if you're African American, they they know you. And so, um, a lot of a lot of what I experienced regarding racism was just due probably to, um, one, not a lot of people, um, not a lot of African-Americans being in our area. Um, so there was some ignorance involved with that ignorance, meaning lack of knowledge, lack of understanding. Um, I was not only an African-American, um, I was also, uh, uh, I made really good grades. I don't know how you say that. So, <laughs> so maybe stand out a little more, you know, there weren't a lot of us, um, who were also, you know, academically inclined or, um, you know, um, intellectual. Mm-hmm. And so that often led to things like, oh, so, you know, the black, the smart black girl, you know, that kind of thing. I think that is kind of interesting to me. Um, how she mentioned her being smart was the reason that she stood out from the rest of her community. And it kind of makes me think back to like our episode where we talked to Vimmel and he was saying that people assumed he was smart because of his race. That is interesting, that comparison. Um, Also something I think to point out from what she just said is like the lack of diversity in the area led to ignorance which i think is true for a lot of rural areas i mean you talk to any probably southern white person from a rural area not necessarily like dallas or raleigh or anything like that but you know 
someone from like Chinkapin or something like that, they're probably not going to be very educated on the importance of diversity and equity and inclusion and stuff. So when you sit, mention, you know, something like that to a person from an area like that, they're probably going to be like, well, why does that matter? Like, I'm not around that. Like, that's like, you know, not necessarily something to focus on, whatever the reasoning may be. And I think it's interesting because in Greenville, we, it's an even more interesting dynamic because we have a university population um, and some population outside of the university where like diversity, equity, inclusion is, you know, really celebrated and talked about. But then you also still have some weird race relations in the area because of that combination of a rural kind of surrounding area and stuff like that. So I think it's just interesting that a lack of education, as Dr. Wright pointed out, leads to a lack of awareness of, you know, your role as a white person or um, the role like people of color play in your dynamic as well. I just think it's pretty interesting. Um, Definitely a lot of being followed through stores, Mm -hmm. right? Because apparently I was there to steal and couldn't afford um, things. Um, At least that was my perspective. Um, And so there were those times. um, Often, if especially if someone who did not associate with me routinely um, became annoyed by something I did, or I remember specifically in middle school, I had this little, I don't know, so weird, this little M&M machine in my locker, so I'd go back you know, in between classes and get little M&Ms, um, and one guy uh, wanted some, and I was like, no, because first of all, I don't even know him, right, um, and so he decided to call me out of my name and spit on me. That didn't go well. My dad was not very happy. Um, but what's funny is my dad is, he doesn't talk a lot, but he's when he does, his voice is very deep and it's very booming. Um, people were very intimidated by that. And, you know, often I thought it's probably because he's just a black man with a deep voice because he's, you know, he's you know, all of 120 pounds wet. You know, <laughs> like, he's not a big guy. So, you know, there were definitely things like that. So um, my brother tells a story about riding his bike um, on one of the back roads to he wanted to do like uh, a 30 mile bike ride and um get a car coming over where he was in the gravels and you know calling him um the n-word and stuff and so those are the kinds of things usually it was just like people spewing stuff out of their mouths not knowing what they were talking about i just want to point out she said she graduated 18 years ago i mean that puts her in her 40s most likely and people say racism wasn't or people say racism still isn't a thing which is you know obviously very much up for debate but people say like it ended such a long time ago like that that was probably I mean at that age she was like probably in her teens if she said she had a locker middle school high school whatever it's like 30 years ago that was literally like the 90s that is not long ago whatsoever that's just really i don't know the fact that people are ignorant enough to say that it doesn't exist in the past yeah Yeah. and the fact that i relate to everything that she said like i'm pretty sure i've had at least one experience well more than one experience that she's had yeah and it's 2021 and i'm in college and what that stuff would have happened less than 10 years ago to me Mm -hmm. yeah that's 
the I, I don't know. I think it is a very, very interesting dynamic. Um, just hearing about like black women, especially I mean black men and women, but especially black women because I feel like they get so underlooked sometimes in the race discussion. I mean, like you know when police brutality and stuff like that was going on, not a lot of things for black women were talked about, but especially like Southern black women too, like they go through a lot. And I don't know, it's still nowadays and people say it's a thing of the past. It's also like interest, interesting to me, like those stereotypes haven't changed. Like in my hometown, like I kind of heard the conversation of people like, oh, he's here because he's stealing or she's here because she's stealing. And like she had that experience like 30-ish years ago mm-hmm. and those stereotypes are still the same. Also, another stereotype, the intellectual black girl. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I was thinking about I mean, that. it's funny because there's that trope that, like, black women and even, well, black men, of course, but, like, who are in, like, academia and, like, the honors college and stuff like that, like, oh, they're only here as a number. But we have such little representation, too, in the honors college. Like, you just heard, like, she was the smart black girl in her town. But yet people still make that argument about, like, there being, like, just a number. I mean, there's even a case going up to the Supreme Court, possibly, regarding that, like, admissions numbers and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. It's just so many different tropes going on. And it was not long ago. When I was in nursing school, though, um, part of the, maybe part of the reason, I initially thought I would be interested in home health because my aunt's a nurse. Um, and she did home health and hospice. Hospice has been her thing forever. And um, she's like, that's what you should do. And so we did a rotation. It was just a couple of days where we did home health. And the last patient I went to see had a huge dog. And I'm afraid of dogs. Um, but I had made it through the day. Like, there were little dogs. And I, you know, it didn't matter at that. Well, I'm not afraid of dogs now because I got one of my own. But at that time, I was, like, deathly. And, you know, I had convinced myself that it was okay because, um, you know, they were little, blah, blah, blah. And I worked through it, but the last one, he was huge. And his bark was so loud. And I was just petrified. Like, I was standing on the porch, and I was petrified I could not go in. Well, technically, you're supposed to, anytime someone from home health is coming over, you're supposed to put your animal up. Whether the nurse says it's okay or not, that's part of the rules. Like, it's part of the contract. You have to put your animals away. Um and so the nurse went in and she said, you know, Mr. So-and-so, and she was used to him. She's like, today you're going to have to put your dog away, you know, and, and she explained why. And he said, oh, come on in, you know, he won't, he won't bother you. And I was like, I'm sorry, sir. I was like, I'm just afraid of all the dogs. And he said, well, I'm afraid of all niggers. And he shut the door in my face. And I was like, oh my God, it was the scariest. Like it was, it felt scary. Okay, Bree's jaw just dropped, and that was my exact oh my reaction what? when she told me that. What? Like, oh, my God. The fact that she, like, that happened to her, and she was still like, yes, I want to do healthcare. Like, this is what I want to do. Oh, the grace that it yes. must have taken. I cannot imagine. I mean, I talked to, I've talked to Dr. Wright so many times for the newspaper in the past, like, year and a half I've been, like, on news. I mean, probably more than a dozen times. And just, I mean, you hear these experiences all the time, but having a conversation with her, interviewing her, these things that she's, like, experienced as a black woman have never, 
popped up in my mind. Obviously, that's it's very casual whenever we do talk, very, you know, like professional and stuff like that. But I don't know, you just never know what people have had to hear from other people throughout their life. Ugh. You know what's really terrible? If she was reactive to it, she might have lost her job. Yeah, because then she's the angry black woman. Trip. Yeah. Like, yes. God. Like, he wouldn't have been at fault. It would have been, like, unprofessional of her to act like that, even though he was the one. She got called a slur. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and just casually. Like, like he like it just rolled off the tongue. Yeah, he said it with no thought. Um, that was in East Tennessee, so it was still in the mountains, but in the Tennessee, the mountains of Tennessee. And I remember just going back to the car, and I was just so crushed and so, like, upset that that had occurred, and, you know, and she felt so bad, the nurse did, you know, she was, and she came out, she's like, are you okay, and I was like, yeah, she's like, I'm going to finish up, and I'll be right back, and, you know, we kind of talked it through, but it was, you know, it was, that was pretty, pretty scarring, um, I decided then that I didn't want to do home health, but that was okay, because I found my love in women's health later, so it didn't really matter, but, um, yeah, um, otherwise, you know, honestly, at this level, I don't, I can't always differentiate if I'm experiencing racism or if I'm experiencing sexism or a combination, um, especially with the pandemic. I've been in a lot of, a lot of tables with a lot of, uh, very, um, influential people at the university, yeah. um, and within the state, et cetera, and in the county because of the pandemic. And so when things are kind of, you know, like side comments are made, I always wonder, like, is that is that race related or is it, you know, you know, especially um, if I'm explaining something or giving my opinion and someone starts to talk over me, I'm like, yeah, is it because I'm a black woman? Is it because I'm a woman? Is it because I'm a black? <laughs> or is it because I'm about to tell you what we're actually going to do? <laughs> okay, something that I do just want to say. I think part of the reason I'm so shocked by this, not just because I talked to her so much, but <clears throat> Dr. Wright is around my mom's age. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah. my, like, I don't know, I hear stories from my mom all the time about, you know, her life, her childhood, her life and her career now. And just knowing that, like, yeah, like, I don't know, my hearing stories from my mom about being in corporate. Like, she's really high up in the corporate world for the company she works for. And... She's, a like, a beautiful woman. And Dr. Wright is, you know, like, a, a gorgeous woman as well. And my mom always talks about how, like, being at a table of, like, white men, whenever you have, like, a, an attractive, you know, younger woman working at the table, it's like, ugh. The, like, my mom's blonde, too, so she, you know, the dumb blonde. But, like, being a black woman, a younger black woman at the table making decisions regarding a pandemic for a university... I cannot even imagine how, like, crushing, like she said, it must be to have, you know, just a lack of respect shown to you when that's your profession, that's your expertise, you're in that position for a reason. And because of your age or your sex or your race or all three, like, whatever it is, then, like, I can't even imagine how, ang- like, I would be angry if someone was just not respecting me in my position. I don't know. Yeah, and that's why I feel like um, the theme of this year's Black History Month is so important because it's bringing recognition to those people who are working through this pandemic. But I also feel like 
people don't know enough about it. Like they don't realize that there's a theme every year. And I'm kind of glad that we decided to bring that into the podcast this semester. So are there any specific either challenges or successes that you faced in your experience um, in healthcare that kind of stand out to you? Hmm. Specific challenges or successes. Huh. Um, I think the fact that we're all still standing after all we've been through with the pandemic is probably a huge success and challenge. Um, and again, kind of going back to sometimes having to go against what is popular um, for everyone else at the table and having to put the health, um, you know, go, going with what's the best health option versus what would be the most popular option. For instance, you know, having to make recommendations about masks or about testing or about wearing or not wearing masks or testing or not testing. And, and you know, I think the, the fact that we're all still here and, um, you know, I don't attribute that to myself. I attribute that to the great team that I lead. Um, and, you know, I actually sent them a memo last week with some numbers and I said, you know, no matter what anyone at this university says, we're all still here because of the hard work you guys did, right? Because, you know, and it's not that we didn't do hard work in August of 2020. Um, mm -hmm. There were suggestions and things that we had made and maybe we should have fought harder for that weren't listened to. And then things kind of unraveled really quickly and then, you know, we were all kicking ourselves and, um, I was kicking myself too, even though every opportunity I got, I would say, but if you'd, man, if you'd listen to me, <laughs> man, if you just listen to me. Um, so, um, other successes, I would say getting the sexual assault nurse examiner program up and running here at student health. Um, I played an integral role in that and being one of the first to be trained, um, joining the Pitt County sexual assault response team and writing policies both for the county and uh, for student health. Um, that was that's pretty awesome, I think. So, um, and one of the few universities um, in the country, but especially in North Carolina, I can't. I don't know that there's another one um, that has the same program, and so we're pretty proud of that and yeah. the fact we have that to offer to our students. Okay, that's all the successes <laughs> I can think of. All right, so to kind of close us out here, um, I do want to ask what advice would you give to young black women who are looking in to enter into this field? Yeah, yeah, I would say, you know, make sure it's your passion. One thing that my husband and I always say is that you can't hate your job every day, <laughs> right? There's some days that you're going to go in and you're going to hate it. And uh, um, we laugh here at Student Health because I keep saying, it's not that I hate my job, I hate the work. It's, you know, talking about the pandemic, like I hate this work, but I love my job, but you can't, there are days you're gonna get up and not wanna come to work because you don't like what you're doing, but that can't be every day. And if that's every day, then you're in the wrong field. So find what you're passionate about, what you love, what is gonna fill your cup. You know, at the end of the day, you can't just give, give, you what you're doing has to, has to fill your cup. Um, I would say identify the, like, for instance, if you wanted to go in nursing, there's so many different directions you can go, you know, and 
and that's the beauty of it if you're in something you don't really like take another direction find out more about it um find a good mentor as far as women's health goes i had an amazing um a preceptor who ended up being my mentor for years while I was still working here. She's retired now, but um, if I had questions about patients specifically, I would call her um, and would always check in with her. As a matter of fact, now that I'm talking about it, it's been a while, so I'll probably shoot her a text to say hi. Um, and I had the same thing in undergrad. I had um, the instructor that I went to um, Zimbabwe with. Um, keep in contact with her and so just finding good mentors people who um, push you and um, so as you build your committee I would say uh, find people who have like passions find people who are are where you want to go um, and find people who don't agree with you (laughs) because if you have someone who doesn't agree with you they're going to challenge you to be creative to figure out how to accomplish things. Um, they're also going to, um, I, I see things with rose glasses, so that in my mind it's always doable, um, but they're gonna stop you from going down a rabbit trail and think mm-hmm. something that, you know, real yeah. life isn't doable, like you should give up. Um, so um, don't just surround yourself with the people who tell you how great you are, but tell the people who you know, don't agree with you and don't think you're the most amazing person in the world. They should be on your committee too. It's okay. You're not. You're not the most. You're not the most amazing person. My mom used to always tell me, I, you know, as a child, and I would say, everybody's blah blah blah. She's like, you're not that important. You don't even know everybody. <laughs> <laughs> everybody's not talking about you. They don't know you. You know. So people that keep you grounded, those are those are really good people yes. to have on your committee as well. So build build a good committee. I would say, do what you love and build a good committee. Good committee. All right. Well, is there anything else that you would like to add about anything that we've talked about? No, I think that, I think I've said all I would like to say. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Uh, All right. Take care. You too. Oh, I really appreciate her doing this interview with us because it was, she's so resilient Mm -hmm. and to hear what she went through and to see that she's in the position that she is now as a director, like after all of her experiences, I might've quit. Yeah. I really might've quit and she's a really strong person to, you know, continue. I agree. That's the vibe Like, I got. Yeah. Strong. Mm-hmm. For sure. Very just, I don't know, <clears throat> girl boss, def- like definition yeah. yes. of a girl boss. I, yeah, that was a fulfilling interview. I'm glad you got to do that, Abby. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Um, that was a great interview with Dr. Wright. We enjoyed it. We hope you enjoy it. And thanks for tuning in for Black History Month. Um, The work doesn't stop here, so keep tuning in and throughout the next few weeks. And don't forget to follow us on our social media. It is at the.pit.perspective. Thanks, guys. Bye.